we are going to start looking from Matthew chapter 28. The emphasis is verse 19, which many of us believe we know it very well. Matthew 28, verse 19. I believe we know it very well. Matthew 28, verse 18. Let's start from there. From verse 18 to verse 20. It reads like this. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Then he said, Amen. Then it means what? Let it be so. So be it. So he says, this is unchangeable. This, those who hear must just understand that is the way it is and must just receive it and obey and live accordingly. He says, all authority has been given to me. Jesus is telling us here that I hold all authority within me. Everything that I need to do, I've been given authority to do it. I'm not trying to do what I'm not supposed to be doing. Remember, even in this earthly ministry, the Bible says as he was going around ministering, the elders and the leaders of the day began to question the authority he was using because they could see that this man, whatever he was doing, is a man under authority. It means that authority is not something that you just go about saying, I've got authority, I've got authority, but the very life you are living, the things you do, reveal that you have authority. The authority of Jesus was revealed by the works he was doing. The authority of Jesus was not just a spoken authority. It was a authority that he acted upon it. He lived the life of authority and dominion. Therefore, Jesus' life by itself revealed the authority the Father has given him. The Bible says he gave authority and and power to some of the people, the believers, and say, go about and do these things. Go and pray for the sick and do this. It means they were not supposed to go and show the, you know, the certificate that says, this certificate says I've been given authority and power, but the very works they were doing were supposed to be a reflection of the authority they were given. I pray that we in this time, because the world is sinking, sinking deep and deep into unbelief and lack of faith, if you hear many things that are happening, people are sinking deeper and deeper into a level of unbelief and a level of lacking faith. I pray that God will restore and will make wonders and signs to be written in the lives of believers because the world does not believe unless they see. That's what Jesus said. You people I know, you can't believe unless you see. And we know that our God is an author of miracles, signs and wonders. He's an author of great things. He's an author of amazing and wonderful things. I pray that in this season and time, God will write new things. God will do great things in the lives of ordinary believers. I believe that we can trust him, that God is able. He was able to do it in the life of Jesus. Jesus says, I've been given all authority. Therefore, go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. So, He's not sending us 
without anything. He's sending us with the necessary authority and power. He's sending those who believe with the necessary ability to minister and to reveal the authority of heaven. How somebody is hearing me tonight. He didn't just say go without anything. He promised first of all, I have got authority that has been given by the Father. Authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. You know, that, that means a lot. It is different for him to just say, ah, you know, I was with you, I've lived with you, so go. You know, I'll be with the Father there, then we'll see what we can do. No. He says, now all authority is upon me. Therefore, go. And I love it because he says, as the Father sent me, I also send you. You know, maybe for us it might not mean much, but for them, the apostles and the disciples who were with him, they know the kind of life Jesus lived. So when he says, as the Father sent me, already they can understand, the Father who sent him was doing mighty things, great things. So if he says, as the Father sent me, I send you, obviously he's immediately telling you that as I was faithful with the Father and the Father was doing this, when you go also, we are going to do greater things. In fact, he promised, and he says, greater things than this you shall do. Greater things than this you shall do. Children of God, we, we often speak about the word of God as if it's a, you know, it's like a theory. It's like, it's like there's no practicality of it. The practicality of the word of God is like, it's not even close. And it's not supposed to be like that. The Bible shows us that the gospel is all about power. It's not about eating and drinking. I'm amazed if you really sit down and you think about it, how we have turned the gospel today as an issue of having a, a place where we can find what to eat and to drink. You realize how far, how far believers and people all over the world are drifting away from what is, the Bible says the gospel is about power. Yes, anything can bring what to eat and drink. It's not, it, it does not mean that uh, uh, you, need, you need the power that Jesus was talking about. The kind of power that Jesus was talking about is the kind that when it comes, it leaves one free, it leaves one delivered, it leaves one blessed. Hallelujah. So the primary emphasis here on the disciples, Jesus was saying, is the application of the authority of Jesus over all the earth. Remember, we are still here on earth. Jesus says, I've got authority in heaven and on earth. Right? But we, we are still here on earth. But the Bible says we have been given that grace to call on things in heaven to manifest on earth. We have been given the keys to unlock the things in heaven to manifest on earth. But how can we do that? He is seated in heavenly places and we are seated there with him by faith. Therefore, when we speak things, he unlocks for us and sends them our way because we are working together. Tell somebody, say, you and me and Christ, we are together. We are co-workers. We are living together. We are moving together. We are doing together all things. This is what? In him we live, we move, we have our being. It means I walk with him. I live with him. I do things with him. I am not separated from him. So Jesus emphasizes the application of his authority that is giving us access to the authority he has been given. That's why he was talking about, he says, all authority has been given to me. He was showing us that what? I'm giving you access to the authority that has been granted to me. So go. So we go in his name. Everything we do, we do it in his name. Hallelujah. Go and what do you go and do? Go therefore and make me disciples. So he emphasizes 
application of his authority over all the earth. Because that's where we can operate. We, we can operate over all the earth. Then he says again, make something out of somebody. That's why he says, make me dis disciples. Make a holy man. Make sons. Make changed beings, people, to be transformed. But the authority I'm giving you, you are supposed to go and transform people's lives. Go and make me disciples. Get me followers. Get me believers. Get me people who are faithful, people who are followers, people who are trustworthy. Make something out of somebody's life. That's what Jesus came and did. When he came, he came with the power that God had given him. He made something out of ordinary people's lives. He found fishermen. He qualified them to become apostles. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? He found a text collector. He qualified him to be what? An ambassador of heaven. A servant. An apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. He found ordinary men and women. Physician. Look, the physician. He made him to become a partaker. So he found people's lives broken. Like Mary Magdalene. Life broken. Filled with demons, spirits, troubling and tormenting her life, delivered her, and her life was restored. He found a woman being accused of wrongdoing. He, 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 he stood with her so that judgment of God can be saved. Otherwise, judgment of people could have destroyed her. Judgment of God was saved, and she was acquitted. I, I hear what I'm saying to each children of God. He found a woman by the well of Jacob. He found a woman waiting there in summary who was drawing water. Her life was shattered. She had tried many times, time after time. I love that woman because that woman did not give up. She kept trying. Even though she failed, she tried, she failed, she tried. Eventually, she met the Lord and the Lord came through for her. And I believe from that day, her life was never the same again. So there's authority and the authority given is to transform lives. Make something out of somebody. Bring change in somebody's life. The third thing he emphasized was teaching. Teaching. In this life, we learn by teaching. We can be taught by example. We can be taught by looking at other people's lives. And we can be taught by words. Making disciples is not an issue of teaching word only. It's also a, a life of demonstrating the, kind of, the right kind of a life. Often people will say, Children, they learn more from our actions, from the actions of parents, more than what we speak. As much as we can run away from that, there's a truth, so much truth in that, that people learn all the more. They learn better, even by observation, even by looking. That is the next point. After teaching, the next thing that Jesus spoke about says, teaching them to observe. So the next point is observation. There's teaching, then there's observation. Observation is a great way of learning by looking. Therefore, it means the one who's being observed ought to take it as an advantage to say, let me live right. Let me live good. Let me live holy. Let me become the light. So that the one who's observing will be drawn close to God because of what they'll be seeing. Anyone who observes, they must make, take note of what they see and their lives also will begin to be transformed by that. So he says, the authority I've given you can work. It can work to transform lives. I'm, I'm just going back so that I can make you to understand what I'm talking about. The authority you've been given can work to transform a life, can change life, not only just your life. How? You can teach others 
Teach others what you have discovered. Teach others what you know. Teach others what Jesus means to you. Fourthly, the fourth thing is live a life that when they observe, they'll be able to know that you are walking with Christ. The Bible says, how shall they know that people are believers? Number one, this issue of fruits, right? Shall know them by their fruits. Number two, by love. If they love one another. Are you with me, children of God? We know them by fruits. And that fruit includes love. They are known by love. So number five, because of time. He says, baptize them. Baptism into Christ. This means total immersion. We talk about baptism at one point. Total immersion into Christ. Being covered, being immersed into Christ. But here, we are hearing about baptize them. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So it means we need try immersion. We need to be immersed in the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. We need to be totally devoted to the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Is the one who gives instruction. Is above everything. One, are, are you with me? So one, one says this is the mission. The other one executes the mission. Right? The other one is the one who gives the ability. Is the one who is the power behind doing what is supposed to be done. So one has got knows everything. Is the planner of everything. Is the master planner. The other one is the commander. Is the executor of everything. Is like. Is like the one who says, let's do this and this. The Bible says, he works together with those who are given in the fivefold ministry. These are the ministries that he uses to accomplish the task that the Father has given. I want you to understand that. These are the ministries he uses. But these are not limited to only these five. No. Remember the Bible says, then there's the Holy Spirit who gives gifts to the body of Christ. So that even members... Those that will be saving as members, as saints, also, they will not be saving like they don't have anything. No, they are given ability by the same Spirit. The same Spirit who makes these ones in the fivefold to function in their office gives abilities to the ones who are working together with them. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you, children of God? So that we can all be of one Spirit. Have you ever read that? Verses what? We are of one Spirit. And we are of one mind. Who makes us to be of one spirit and one mind? The Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit working all through this chain from above. The Bible says the Holy Spirit knows the mind of God. Who knows the mind of a man? The Spirit. Who knows the mind of God? The Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God knows the mind of God. He is the one who, fil who filters all this all the way down to the man down there. If all of us can be filled with the Spirit, are you seeing that we can be of one mind? That's why the Bible says what? In the last days, he will pour out the Spirit, and everyone must be filled by the Spirit. And the Bible says what? The church, if you look at the church of the, of the, Acts, the book, book of Acts, it says all of them were of one mind, one heart. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Who made them to be like this? The Holy Spirit. So baptism, baptism is very, very important because it brings oneness. It brings unity. The Bible says when we're baptized into Christ, we were joined to become one with him. So it brings oneness. It brings joint, to be jointed together with him. Are you hearing what I'm saying to each children of God? The, 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 the sixth thing that happens from the passage we just read, it says, abide in Christ. Abiding. So, you baptize them, you teach them all things. So, we need, they need to abide. Because it says, I'm with you always. He can't be with you if you're not together. It says, I'm with you always. It means abide in me. Abide in Christ. There is a way. That the Bible says, 
this is the way to where God wants us to be. And blessed are those who will find that way. But it all begins by what we just read. Go make me disciples. After the making of these disciples or after people have been, have been transformed or they've given their lives to Christ, there's still a very, very big work which is part of discipleship making. The work of finding the way, the way to life, the way to eternal life. Luke chapter 13, Luke 13, verse 22. So, make me disciples, but it does not end there. The way to where God wants us to be needs to be found. It's not for everybody. It's not easy to everybody. What did Jesus say? I'm going to the Father. You know the way. Huh. Thomas stood up and said, Lord, what do you mean we know the way? Ah. Show us the way. He says, ah, have I not been with you so long? So you mean, show me the way. I'm going to show you the way. No, if you've been with me, you know the way. How do we know? I am the way. You see that? I am the way. This means that we can live with him, eat with him, walk with him, and still not find the way. I hope somebody's hearing me. We can be with him, sit with him, talk with him, walk with him, and still not find the way. Why? Because the scripture showed that finding this way is not an easy thing. Finding this way needs something to happen. Finding this way needs somebody to first of all understand, I need to be adopted. I need to be adopted in his family. When I'm adopted, I become the child of God. And when I'm a child of God, nothing else matters. I must begin to search the things of the kingdom more than anything. My life depends on it. This means... Remember when you're adopted, you're coming from another family, right? You can't talk of adoption if it's not like that. You come from one family. When you're adopted to another family, you have to now reduce yourself to how the new family operates, how they think, how they do things. Is it not like that? I'm just trying to narrow. I know it's not only as simple as that, but adoption makes one to leave what they were occupied with and now be introduced into something else, and they must make themselves and help themselves to grow into that, become something in that. Luke chapter 13, verse 22 to verse 28. And he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? What a question. They are going through the city, journeying towards Jerusalem. And somebody asked him, because he was wondering, as much as Jesus is preaching, he's teaching, he's doing signs and wonders, yo, there's still a lot of people. A lot of people who are not coming. A lot of people who are not following. Some were following and then they go back. Some, they, they come for a while, they run together, they are joined together, all of a sudden, they fall off. So he began to ask, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, Strive, take note of that. Strive to enter through the narrow gate. What does it mean strive? You have to put effort. You have to work on it. You have to do something about it. It's not going to be as easy as say, I know Jesus. It's not going to be as easy as to say, I've seen the Lord. He says, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many 
I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know where you are from. I do not know where you are coming from. I do not know from where you are. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence. Do, do, think about it. Just because we sat with him, we spoke with him, we walked with him, we touched him, strive to enter. Look at somebody say, there's, there's striving to enter. The gate that leads to where God wants us to be is narrow. I minister this to you, children of God, so that you may be strengthened in your inner man with power. You may be strengthened in your inner man by faith. Because you enter not because things are easy. You don't live your life because your things are easy. You live this life because of grace and because God has given you faith. You live by faith. If not for faith, this life will be unbearable, especially for those who are believers. If not for faith, this life will, will seem to be a very difficult life to live. If not for faith, many will have given up already. Many believers will have fallen already. If not for faith, it takes faith to keep us grounded. What did Jesus pray for when Peter was about to be sifted like wheat by the devil? He says, I prayed for your faith, that your faith will fail not. Because when all things are done, Peter could eat with Jesus. Peter could walk with Jesus. Peter could hug Jesus. But my, my brother and my sister, when task come for him to be challenged and a trial was facing him, he could have been sifted like wheat as if he never walked with Jesus. Look at Judas, what happened to him. It's a painful thing. That's why Jesus says, strive to enter. Do all you can. Oh, hallelujah. I hope somebody's hearing me tonight. Do all you can. It's not an easy road. It's not an easy life. It's not a simple life. It's not something that you can take for granted. Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able when once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock and the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you where you are from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence. And you taught, hey my God, you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you. I don't know where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourselves thrust out. He's, he's speaking to the people who were following him. He's not speaking to wicked people. He's speaking to people. The question was, Lord, when we talk about salvation, how, how does this work really? Hey, Lord, tell us. Are there few who are going to be saved? Jesus began to explain. It's not an easy road. It's not an easy life. It needs one to be able to identify the narrow gate that leads to the life that God wants you to live. There's a gate and the way so that gate needs to be identified. And you need to keep walking, even if the road is difficult. Maybe it might be difficult for you there and there. 
I'm here to tell you, keep walking. The road that leads to the gate, which is narrow, the Bible indicates that it is not wide also. If you look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, Matthew 7, verse 13 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Oh, this is painful. There are many who are going through it, and where they are going is destruction. The end of it is destruction. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. I'm saying to you, you might have been wondering, say, but my life is very difficult. Life is not easy. Things are challenging. I'm here to tell you, cheer up, child of God. Cheer up. You will make it. Your focus must not be on everything here on earth. Let your focus be on Christ. He promised he will be able to give us all things if we learn to seek him and focus on him. He says the gate is narrow. The road that leads there is not broad. No. It's a difficult road. The way that leads to this life is a difficult one. It's not an easy one. It's full of challenges. It's full of trials. It's full of hardship. It's full of problems. It's full of tribulations. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying, sharing with you today? I'm saying to you, no matter what, don't be discouraged. You have the Spirit of Christ in you. The same Spirit of Christ had to overcome the challenges, the problems, the obstacles. Hallelujah. In Mark chapter 3, in Mark chapter 3, verse 31, his brothers and his mother came, and standing outside, they sent to him, calling him. And a multitude of were sitting around him. And they said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. But he answered them, saying, Who is my mother? Oh, my brothers. And he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. Hallelujah. What Jesus is promising us here is, child of God, you have more family in Christ than you have physically. You have more family. You have more bond. You have more support. This is the reason why it hurts me when I see in the church people hating one another. It's because we don't understand. This is the last resort and last hope for many. Church is a place of building. It's a church of grooming one. You remember what we talked about in the beginning? It's a place where we have been given authority to change lives. We can make something out of other people's lives. That's why I always remind you that don't forget of the grace that another person is carrying. Don't look at a person just as a person. The Bible says we know Christ in the flesh and we know him the way he was, but we know him no longer. After he rose again from the dead, we know him no longer. He's a transformed man. He's a new man. It says The Bible says even us, because we have the same spirit of Christ, no one must claim that they know us any longer. This means when a person is born again, stop associating them or relating to them or judging them based on what you know about them and start looking at them as, as somebody who's graced by God and who's carrying the grace we need. And that grace must be harvested. Hallelujah. I hope somebody's hearing me. When a person gets born again, when a person is made into a disciple, when a person now has been taught 
has been has been observing they've changed their lives they are following now they have been baptized when when things like that has happened what we need to focus on is in making sure that the grace functions and the grace is exposed and it begin to work is going to be of benefit to others jesus says when i look around i see my brothers i see my mother i see my sisters because whoever does the will of god is my brother and my sister his mother and his brother was were waiting outside but jesus always chose to stand in service of god more than anything hallelujah we need to understand we are part of a new family that is there to help us to walk and to live right that's all that churches must be all about is to help each other is to stand with each other to help one another to move right to walk right to live right in mark chapter 10 verse 28 Mark 10, verse 28 to 31, as I'm concluding. Then Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. Peter understood what Jesus was talking about. These are my brothers and sisters. Ah, see, I have left all. We have left all to follow you. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left a house, brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake. And the Gospels, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, not, not in eternity, not in the future, who shall not receive. Do you see that the things that we need here on earth, it's possible to get them. But the thing is, what is our focus? Most of the time, devil give us problems so that we can focus here on earth. We can focus on trying to resolve things here on earth. But yet, the way we resolve things is by seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Somebody say hallelujah. When we seek God, meaning we seek to do the will of God, our main and our priority, our primary focus is to seek to do the will of God. God makes sure that everything comes to us. Look at verse 30. Who shall, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time? Houses. He even say houses. But when you read there, he says he left a house. But here he says he will receive houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and lands with persecutions look at that don't 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 rub off don't rub off with persecutions with persecutions why because difficult is the way that leads to life and in the age to come eternal life but many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first to show us that a spiritual family is what god will afford us if we choose to follow and to do his will it's not going to be easy but he promises us wonderful things he says you will have brothers sisters parents these are there to guide i remember i think it was peter who says i speak to you uh, fathers i speak to you sisters i speak to you mothers why mothers must teach the younger ones fathers must teach the younger ones just like that because it's expected to be like that in the kingdom of God. You know what? I believe we need more and more now in the kingdom of God. We need people who understand why we are born again. Remember the message, are we Christians? Are we really Christians? We are not born again just to enter heaven. Read carefully that verse 30. Who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time? Now in this time. Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands with persecutions, and in the age to come. So there is so much 
that Jesus promises now and then there is something that is to come. So we should not only focus on the eternal life. There is this life here, but we must remember it comes with persecutions. It comes with persecutions. The former connections that we have, meaning the family connections we have before we were born again, all those things, they become inferior when now we are born again. That's why he says, you can lose. You can lose. It's not supposed to be that way. No. I'm not saying that when you get to be a child of God, you must lose. No. But there are circumstances and situations that sometimes results in that. And when that happens, you gain much more. But there's something else that I know. You'll gain even them back. As believers, we are also encouraged here, we must remember, that we must own things. He's not talking about relationships that you'll have brothers and sisters and mothers and whatever. He says you will have houses. You will have lands. Can someone receive the grace? This one, you need to receive the grace for it. You need to receive the grace to hold on when persecutions arise. Hold on. But when opportunity comes, when grace comes, manifest the blessing on houses, on lands, on many, many things. We should not only talk about we have got spiritual brothers and sisters. No, Jesus says here you will even have houses. You will even have lands. The ultimate, the final result is you will have eternal life at the end. But before we reach that level, houses, lands, all kinds of good things are promised to those who will live by the will of God. Somebody say hallelujah. Someone says hallelujah. Can someone say father? I take this promise into my life. I've only looked at persecutions, but now I know. In the midst of persecutions, there are houses, there are lands, there are blessings of God that belong to me as a daughter, a son of Abraham. Hallelujah. I hope somebody's hearing me. There's something that we must not forget. See, when, when life is difficult or things are difficult, it's easy to just focus on what is going wrong? The persecution, the pain, the rejections, the trials. And forget about the other things he spoke about. When, when you are having a lot of sisters and brothers in the Lord, also you might forget that there are other things he speaks about. There's good health. There's a good life. There's an abundant life, which is now also including houses and lands. I always tell some people, if you have a land that God has given you, it's a sin to just sell that land because God has got a purpose and the reason why he gave somebody the land. Land is the last thing that somebody can think about selling. I hope you're hearing me. Land, property, is not something that you can just easily think about because if God gave you the grace to build a house, to buy a land, when you were still affording it, think about now how much it costs to have the same kind of a land and house. If now you're going to get rid of it, if now you lose the money, remember money grows wings. A house won't grow wings. Money can grow wings. The Bible says it can fly away. If that money grows wings and fly away, how are you going to afford again? God gave you the grace when it was still affordable. I hope I'm talking some sense to somebody. So that's why the Bible encourages us that we must have lands. One of the things that God blessed his children with was land. I mean, support of land distribution. 
the only the one thing that can make african people to rise and to become strong economically even strong and viable is when we are strong by being given land land will make us strong land will position us in the right platform to do greater things if you're hearing say hallelujah say father bless me with a land somebody say father bless me with a land i'm trusting you for land i'm believing that lord you can give me a land a land where i can do farming a land i can do agricultural work a land i can i can put my flock there a land a farm a place are you hearing what i'm saying to you if god blesses with your flock now what are you going to do with the flock glory be to jesus hallelujah let me just share with you romans 8 romans 8 14 to 15 for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom you cry what? Abba, meaning Father. What is reminding us is, once you are made into a disciple, you receive something amazing. You are adopted. So the Bible says once you are adopted, you need to remember that you have the Spirit not of fear. You should not be living this life in fear. You should not be living this life in fear. The Bible says, for you have received the spirit not of bondage, so that you can fear again, but you received the spirit of adoption that makes you a son. So you have been adopted into the spiritual home, adopted to have a spiritual connection. You have a spiritual connection. Not only the physical connection, the natural connection you have. Now you have a very strong spiritual connection with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit. Your adoption removes bondage from the kingdom of darkness and clothes you with freedom in Christ. Your adoption makes you a partaker. It makes you to connect with the Spirit of God. It makes you one together with the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. I want to just leave you here today by just reminding you of this, that narrow is the gate that we have received from teachings, observation, baptism, this adoption and a new life. It does not make things all easy, but we have an advantage because our adoption connects us with our spiritual family. It connects us with the family of God. It makes us to have access to the power that the natural relation we have will not afford us that power. It affords us the grace that the natural connections will not afford us that grace. The Bible says in Galatians 4 verse 4 and 5, But when the fullness of time has come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. There's an emphasis on being adopted. Learn about adoption. Think about adoption. The advantages of it. But there will be challenges. And the Bible says we need to persevere. We need to strive to go through this life, to go through every challenge. You can read for yourself Ephesians 1, verse 3 to 5, which emphasizes that we have been predestined to be adopted as sons 
by Jesus Christ to himself. We have a predestined for that. Even though there are persecutions, even though there are challenges, the life he promises is amazing. You will be blessed, child of God. Many of you, I know, you are still at a stage where you have not yet opened up the next door of your life, where the next door that will be open is taking you. You have not yet seen. But I assure you, all that you might be enduring now is only for a season. There are greater things to come. The one thing I can assure you, I can guide you on, don't forsake the spiritual guidance. Spiritual guidance will see you through and will see to an, you to an end. You'll find yourself where God wants you to be. Spiritual guidance can seem to be sometimes very vague in how it directs, but ultimately it takes you where God wants you to be. So God bless you. Thank you so much. I'm happy that we had this time together. Father, I thank you for the life of your children. Bless them mightily. Um, increase them in knowledge and understanding. Father, strengthen them so that they can hold on in this path. They can keep walking and moving and doing what you have called them to do. They can keep moving in the will of the Father and not divert from everything that you have told them, everything that you have shown them, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life. The life that we are seeking, the life that we are desiring, you say to us, strive to get there. Thank you that you don't only tell us to strive without giving us the grace. But when you tell us to strive, you give us the necessary power and the grace to be able to be contained and to be helped to reach where we're supposed to be. Thank you, Father, for this time we spent together. In Jesus' holy name.